Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Nefesh Podcast. This is episode 54. And for those of you who are keeping track, know I have not forgotten to count. Uh, episode 53 is waiting in the wings. I've got it. Um, it's a very special episode where I had the opportunity to go back to the farm where my mom and aunt and uncles grew up and got to sit down with them. My two uncles, my aunt, and my mom in a small town in Iowa, Manchester, Iowa. And we got to talk about life on the farm and some great stories. And so that's episode 53. I'm going to bring that to you next time. But this week, episode 54, uh, I, I wanted to continue to talk about spiritual abuse. And partly because we have got a live zoom course coming up august 10th 2023 so just in a few days and uh, the course will last five weeks on thursday nights six o'clock p.m pacific and you can go to my website thespiritualreformation.com thespiritualreformation.com and you can sign up to be a part of that course i have a special early bird discount and you will have the opportunity to engage in dialogue and conversation. Or if you just like to sit and listen, you can just sit and listen the whole time. Um, You don't have to dialogue or share. You can just kind of absorb what is being shared. But as we're going to be talking about in this episode, spiritual abuse is such a, a really important topic for us to discuss. And it has so many reverberating negative effects that it's important for us to dialogue about it. And so we're going to spend some time in this episode talking about it. And I really want to encourage you. I'd love to see so many people in that course because it's, again, it's something that I've just been um, thinking about and praying about and really trying to walk through in my own journey and walking, uh, watching as others have been experiencing it. So go to the spiritual reformation, the spiritual reformation.com, and you can get more information about it as well as ways to um, to purchase that course, live Zoom course that starts August 10th, a special early bird discount. So you want to make sure to, to do that and get there. Well, in episode 54, um, as I mentioned, I had the opportunity in the past few days to fly to Manchester, Iowa with Uh, some members of my family, my mom, a couple of sisters, and one of my nieces to visit um, two of my uncles, one of my aunts, and uh, on my mom's side, several uh, awesome cousins, and just just experience, again, life on the farm. I've been there uh, so many times. I was trying to count how many times I have been there throughout my lifetime. And I just found myself going back there every few years, um, always with my mom, as she loves to go back there every year because it's just a beautiful place. It's a it's a beautiful uh, pace. And you know, I've grown up and lived in Southern California most of my life. For the last four years, I've been up in Northern California, and uh, I've really enjoyed the slower pace of life in Northern California because Southern California, this despite all that it has you know disneyland and the beach are the primary things of course friends and family it's it's so fast-paced and going back to iowa and just really just sitting and and there was a really cool thunderstorm knocked out the power for about eight hours and 
you know, we're not used to that type of thing in California, but it was just great to spend time there and just appreciate that pace of life. And so again, we'll be sharing that episode next time. But on the way there, I downloaded some shows to watch on my, my tablet. And I downloaded this documentary series that came on, I think it was FX and then on Hulu, uh, called The Secrets of Hillsong. And for those of you who don't know what that is, Hillsong is a church in Australia um, that has, it's huge, and it has offshoots of those churches everywhere, California, New York, Dallas, some of the bigger, bigger cities. And, you know, I grew up, uh, well, not quite grew up, I, I was exposed to Hillsong worship music in the mid-90s in Bible college. And I just remember hearing the song Shout to the Lord that was um, led by Darlene Check, who was the worship pastor at Hillsong for a while. And I remember listening to it and just feeling just that sense of anointing. I, I love worship. I love worship music, I should say. Worship encompasses, encompasses more than worship music, but I love worship music and I love singing worship music, playing worship music, hearing it. I feel so close to the Lord in moments of worship, corporate worship, uh, individual worship. And so I'm often listening to worship music in my car, whether it's from Bethel, Elevation, uh, Hillsong. And Hillsong has been, again, something that I've known for 30 years and just, again, loved it. I've not really uh, gotten into the, you know, Brian Houston, who was the pastor there. I'm not, I'm not a big sermon person. I don't necessarily like to listen to sermons. And part of that is because I'm, I'm kind of a snob when it comes to that. I've studied the Bible and preaching for such a long time that, um, I have a hard time listening. It's bad. I do not, I, I'm not saying that in a, in a good way, but I, I would much rather listen to worship music. And so I never really got into the politics of what was going on at Hillsong. I just loved the worship music. I loved, loved, loved the worship music. And so a few years ago, a friend of mine um, mentioned that there was this pastor in New York City at a Hillsong Church offshoot named Carl Lentz and, and described how he was friends with people like Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez and other celebrities. And I thought, oh, okay. And, and this friend was sharing that, you know, this per, you know, he seemed legit, Carl, Carl Lentz. He seemed, he seemed real, even though he was kind of friends with celebrities, he he seemed authentic and that their relationships with these celebrities was really cool and really showing that this pastor had made inroads into the celebrity community and was really building relationships with them. And so, um, you know, even, even promoting things like Black Lives Matter and um, the evangelical, uh, more conservative Christian movement has at, at times, um, and I'll just say it, and and this will spark controversy so feel free to feel free to push back through whatever means comments or emails but the the evangelical christian movement has been on the wrong side of things or at least has expressed a message that has been anti a lot of things rather than um and there's some things that we should be against we should be against hate we should be against um, you know, again, any type of harm against people, but, but we're so much known for what we are against. And I don't know why 
Uh, well, I've got some theories that I'm not going to go into here because this is not an episode on Black Lives Matter, and I'm not 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 commenting in any way about the organization Black Lives Matter, and that's important to distinguish, but about the concept that especially in 2016, 2017, even going a few years before that, this understanding that black young men in particular, although black women too, but black men um, are, are seem to be disproportionately in prison, are disproportionately uh, endangered by being, you know, uh, killed by cops or other things. And, and again, I don't, I don't want to go too much into that, but just the very basic message and standing in support of minorities to say, yes, black lives do matter. And it's okay to say that. And so uh, again, I am absolutely for that concept that black lives do matter. And he, he expressed that message. Now he did go on to say, yes, all lives matter, but there, that there is nothing wrong with saying right now, this outcry against the killing or murder of black lives that is so often prevalent is significant and that we as a Christian community need to stand up for minorities who may be disproportionately affected. And so um, as this friend was sharing this about this guy, so I kind of was kind of following Carl Lentz and, um, and that of course he had this really, really tragic fall from grace, so to speak, as we would say, where it came out that he was having an affair with somebody, and then it came out later that he had been having another affair, uh, even prior to that, and so immediately was ostracized by the Hillsong Church, was was fired. Uh, the, the leader of Hillsong Australia, Brian Houston, came out and, and called him a narcissist and other things, and really tried to distance himself from it, and so it was during the pandemic and so many other things were happening during the pandemic that it wasn't necessarily something that I focused on. But when the documentary came out this year, I knew that I wanted to watch it. And so that was the episodes that I watched. And as I watched these episodes, I, I began to see some themes, definitely some themes of narcissism, although not from the person maybe that we would normally expect, but themes of narcissism and definitely themes of spiritual abuse. And in the documentary, they had several people, um, uh, uh, several African-Americans, uh, I, I, I believe a Latina um, from New York, and then someone who uh, was gay talking about their experience and others, a few others who had gone to the school in Australia talking about their experience in the church in New York and then at the home campus in Australia. And at the very end of the four-part uh, series, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who, who wants to watch it. If you do watch it, there's a lot of stuff that that is is pretty is pretty heartbreaking. And so be prepared going in that it, it it's going to be that where you're going to hear some things that are heartbreaking. The abuse, um, the abuse by Brian Houston's father, Frank Houston, is heartbreaking. As is the as were the comments at the end of the series of those who were no longer connected to to church, and even some who were no longer connected to God, that some had become atheists. 
they had this, and maybe not outright rejected God, but rejected a God that was being displayed by this church. And for me, that is heartbreaking. That has always been heartbreaking. I, I have not been a champion of the Western uh, capitalist evangelical model of church. I love church. I believe as as Bill Hybels, who has also had his experiences and kind of fall from grace, but his statement, I believe, is true, despite his failings, that the church is the hope of the world. And when we when we say that in terms of the church, remembering that the church is the ecclesia, as we would say it in Greek, the called out ones. What that means is the called out ones, that the church is the community of people who love and follow Jesus, that it's not a denomination, that it's not a local church, that it's not a specific theological belief, that it is the global community of people who love and follow Jesus. And I absolutely believe that that is the hope of the world. But what breaks my heart is that the church local has gotten in the way of these people experiencing God. And that has always been such a heavy burden on me, even back to when I was a youth pastor and um, in, and, and there were times, there were, there were differences of opinion with the church in which the church is, in which I served, where I would, I would connect with these young people and want to bring them into that church as a whole. And, and yet there were beliefs within that church that, that pushed these young people away, that kept them from becoming part of the church. And so they would come and they would experience this youth group and they would feel loved in this youth group, but they weren't able to be embraced by the larger church because it was not built, it was not ready to, to embrace people. And so it became a point where young people, and this has been true for many years, young people, by the time they turn 18, they, they leave church and they some never come back to it. Church abuse, spiritual abuse is so common. And even as I watched these, these episodes, that's what I just was remembering and thinking, that this is so common. It is a wonder why people still go to church at all. I have experienced my own form of spiritual abuse, both in churches and in Christian organizations. And and that is some of what I will be sharing in that class and we'll be talking about. But it is a wonder why people just don't outright reject church and just don't outright reject the God of the church that this church, you know, displays. That the message that people see in us as followers of Jesus is coming that if that essentially, you know, as the saying goes, sometimes the only Jesus that people see is us. And so I, I guess it is no wonder that we are seeing people who are pulling away from church or pulling away from traditional church. For all those who bemoan the loss of people in churches, I'm sorry, I just have to tell you that it is our fault. It is not them. It is us. Speaking as a pastor, as a credentialed minister, as, as a follower of Jesus, 
It is our fault that people are turning away from church and turning away from God. Now, sometimes people reject God on their own because they just, they just refuse to believe. But I would guess, I would just guess that if you went back in the history of their lives, there was somebody or some experience that turned them off from God, whether church or a person, where they looked at that and said, if that's who God is, I want nothing to do with that. People are turning away from church and they are turning away from God because of us. And yet, we were not meant to live our life alone. We were meant to be in community. We were meant to be supported and growing together. And so if we want to correct this, we have got to fix our churches and our communities, our denominations, our organizations, our schools. We have to understand where our own narcissism and unhealthiness and dysfunction gets in the way of God's love connecting with people. We have to go through another reformation where we understand what is the essence of the gospel of Christ and live that out and impact the world so that people are drawn to the true message of Jesus because living and serving Jesus is hard enough. We don't need to add so many other things of toxicity, unhealthiness, dysfunction, narcissism, and abuse. And it has got to stop. When we look at this church, Hillsong, and, and again, I don't want to give too much away, but in this documentary series, um, it, it goes back even to prior to Brian Houston, who was the, who's the, essentially the, the, the pastor that has been there for maybe 30 years or more, um, but who, it's unclear whether he took over the church from his father or whether he, it was kind of a merge or something. But um, his father, Frank Houston, started churches in New Zealand, Assemblies of God churches, and then I think moved to Australia. And I, again, I don't know whether he started a church in Australia or just kind of retired. But um, there were instances of sexual abuse against, at this point, all that's known as against boys. Um, and it is devastating and the abuse was communicated to family members and to church members and to um again according this is according to the documentary but according but even to the leaders of new zealand uh, assemblies of god and then it was communicated to brian at some point in his life brian houston knew that his father had done these acts of sexual abuse and and is now right now is on trial for having essentially covered it up and not dealt with it, not dealt with his father's abuse. And instead his father continued to be celebrated and, um, and nothing was done. And these poor young men, boys who grew up into men and adults and their lives being, there is something physical and sexual abuse on any level is horrific and wrong. But there is a there is a component where spirit when it's done by somebody in spiritual authority, when that happens, you get in the way. That person gets in the way of that 
young person or person and their connection with God. When somebody in a in a in a in a, a position of spiritual authority abuses somebody else, the chances that that affects that that victim's relationship with God are huge. And so there is there is an extra layer of confusion and spiritual confusion that will forever challenge that person to be able to see God and connect with God. And it makes it all the more horrific. And again, not there's not to say that there it's not as bad as sexual abuse committed by a family member or a friend or or somebody else in authority. But the the disconnect that can happen may be easier between God, I think is more prevalent in those issues where there's been uh, somebody in, in authority, spiritual authority, that may not happen as much. And so there, it, it makes it so tragic. It's always tragic. But it reminds me of what Jesus says, uh, I believe it's in Matthew, in one of the later chapters, I think it might be Matthew 18, where he talks about, and he's got the children, uh, he's got children next to him. People would bring children to Jesus to bless them. And his disciples at first tried to shoo them away, but Jesus said, no, bring the children to me. I want to bless them. He loved everybody. It didn't matter who they were. He loved everybody. And he wanted to minister to everybody. And Jesus said, woe to any person who causes one of these little ones, these children, to stumble, to sin. It would be better if that person just went ahead and killed themselves. Woe to any person who gets in the way of that person's relationship with God. And when somebody in a spiritual authority abuses people, it's a unique type of abuse. And it's so painful. And unfortunately, and again, Brian Houston is on trial for that. And, and I believe his sentencing will come sometime in August of 2023. And if it's all true, if, if he did cover up and know about his father's abuse. And if these other allegations are true, that Brian Houston uh, mismanaged funds which is also a very common thing in Christian organizations. Christian organizations, churches, and nonprofit organizations, they don't have the same level of scrutiny that other businesses do. And there is something that can be said, and I know this will outrage so many pastors, but, but bear with me. There's something to be said of this, you know, really reevaluating this nonprofit tax, tax exempt status. Um, it does take a while, thankfully, in particularly here in California, but it, it does take a while to get nonprofit tax exempt status. You go through scrutiny on that. But afterwards, there are ways, there's always ways to embezzle and hide funds and take advantage, always. Uh, but there may be additional ways to do it because there's not as much scrutiny with nonprofits with churches and other Christian organizations. Abuse can be more common with finances. And so 
Brian Houston is being, uh, will, I believe, will be investigated for that as well. The other things that came out in this documentary were just simply the way the whole structure of Hillsong has been, has been from the beginning, and which seems to point back to not not necessarily the pastors underneath Brian Houston being narcissists, and maybe that's true, but really the true narcissist is Brian Houston himself. That the foundation that was built, despite the fact, and I want to say this because I believe this is important, despite the fact that I, and I've not, I've not worked at Hillsong, I, I know some people who went there to school, I, I don't have any you know, any part of that other than to say the worship music that has come out of Hillsong has blessed me and ministered to others. And I do believe that despite rotten foundations or do, do believe that, that despite narcissism in leadership at organizations or churches, that there's still some good that can be there because not everybody there is a narcissist. And and I do believe that the worship that has come out of Hillsong, in my opinion, that there has been an anointing and a, a beautiful sense of God's presence that, that comes out of that. I, I have been blessed by it. But the foundation, maybe, of the church itself has been rotten and corrupt because the leader, very possibly, is a narcissist. I don't, I've never met him. I barely know anything about him. And any documentary has a particular point of view that they want to get across. So they have a bias. And it's clear that they are trying to show the abuses there and, and that there is a bias. So take all of that in mind. And take even, obviously, my words in mind. You don't have to agree with anything that I'm saying. From the very few brief things and clips that the documentary series showed. From my limited perspective, it seems as if he might be a narcissist, Brian Houston. And that, you know, he, after Carl Lentz was fired, Brian Houston went around talking about Carl Lentz being a narcissist, but I think it's actually the other way around. And again, I don't even know Carl Lentz, and I don't know whether or not he's truly changed. And um, and in a couple weeks, I'm very, very honored and privileged to have a, a, a marriage and family therapist who has been doing therapy for decades. And we have had conversations many over the years about narcissists, and she is going to be coming on, and we're going to be talking about narcissism and um, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, especially along the lines of this whole topic of spiritual abuse and narcissism. But from what I've understood and read and been told, my limited understanding, narcissists, they really struggle to change. And any narcissist who does, unless, unless they are being completely transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and God's work in their life, they don't change. And the only reason they may change their behavior, like a behavior modification, is because they don't want to lose people or lose their position or lose, um, you know, whatever it might be. 
So they may change their behavior, but to really, really change the root of them takes some serious, serious spiritual formation. And I, the, the, the narcissists that I have seen and known over the years, I don't think we tend towards, towards growth and healing, this, even if we claim that we are Christians, unless there is some intense healing and work done. And in fact, I think we get worse unless we are, it's like we are constantly swimming upstream and fighting against that, that part of us that is broken and that does not want to change. That for the rest of our lives, the spiritual formation and spiritual growth that has to take place is a constant and daily journal. It's not necessarily a battle because that sounds overwhelmingly tiring. But it is a journey and a constant evaluation and reflection and walk with Christ and surrender to Jesus to allow him to transform us because we don't necessarily just get better as we get older. We don't, we don't necessarily get wiser. We don't necessarily become more peaceful or uh, more tolerant. Just as our bodies grow old and decay, despite how healthy we are, the broken parts of us only get worse unless we are continuously walking with Jesus and surrendering to him. And looking at, in the brief moments of these, these four episodes, it's very possible that Carl Lentz is growing and changing that he has been humbled and that he may not have been a narcissist to start out. He may have been someone who seems like someone who really does care about people and who got caught up in the pressure and the overwhelming maybe abuse that was coming to him from the top. It does not exonerate Carl Lenz. It does not say that he is not responsible for anything he did, but it gives me a little bit more empathy and maybe understanding for him. And it, it makes me, again, examine my own heart and my own motives. It makes me look at big organizations and wonder where there is unhealthiness and a lack of growth. And it reminds me again that it is not enough to put your trust in Jesus and go to church and tithe. That there is, there is a part of us that does not want to grow. There is a broken part of us that is very selfish. And that when we are left to our own or we are pounded by pressure from the outside, when there is no accountability, when we are not walking in grace ourselves, when we don't have people in our lives who can call us on our behavior, when we are not journeying with others, truly, truly, transparently journeying with others, when we are not intentionally growing into spiritual formation, 
none of us, none of us are free from the potential of falling, of giving in to temptation, of abusing others, of taking advantage of others. Abuse happens all the time. Selfishness is something we constantly struggle with. All of us, every day. And when we are in positions of spiritual authority, whether as pastors, teachers, therapists, any type of, uh, even parents, Christians, who you are in spiritual authority over your kids, whatever our role, if we are not growing daily with Jesus and if we are not in accountability with others who can speak into our lives and hold us accountable, we will not grow. We will go backwards in our growth. We will give in to temptation. We will put our needs and our interests above others. And the greater the pressure, the greater the, the, the height that we are in, the greater the opportunities to sin and to take advantage, we will do it. I know that sounds so absolute and, and many of you hearing this will say, no, 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 that could never be me. I'll never do that. The greater the pressure, the greater the opportunities to sin. And the more we are not walking truly with others who know everything about us in accountability, the more we are not intentionally engaging in spiritual formation practices, intentionally growing in Jesus, prayer, Bible reading, Lexio Divina, silence and solitude, um, community, accountability, confession, you don't have to confess to a priest, but confessing to someone the deep, dark things within you in true accountability and support. Fasting, worship. The more we are not engaged in the intentional aspects of spiritual formation and in true accountability and community, we will fail. We will fall. And if we are leading people, we will take advantage of them. We will abuse them. The, the higher, quote, unquote, we go, whatever higher means, the more people we are leading, the more uh, money we are managing, the more... Uh, bigger our organization or church is, the more opportunities there are for abuse, for taking advantage, whether of the system or the people. The more we have opportunity to stay or to want to stay there and guard that position. You know, when we talk about Jesus and his humility and his service and sacrifice, in Philippians 2, it's what's known as the kenosis. That's just the Greek word for emptying. Jesus emptied himself 
Um, and there are various you know, theological opinions on whether that means he emptied himself literally of his, of his divine nature or he let go of his position and status. It, it, you know, don't fixate on that, but just this idea that um, he left heaven and came down to earth. And in the, the Christian, the, the Orthodox Christian view is that Jesus, who is both God and man, 100% God, 100% man, left his position in heaven and came down to earth, taking the human form and, and living amongst us for decades and then dying on the cross for our sins. And there's the wording in Philippians 2, those first few verses that says that Jesus, Jesus did not think equality with God something to be grasped. And that the wording in Greek really means he did not think his position in heaven was something to hold on to at all costs. Meaning, he wasn't going to maintain his status in heaven as God, as God's son. In order to avoid the suffering and sacrifice of coming to earth. He did not think equality with God something to be grasped. He did not think his place in heaven was something that he had to hold on to forever, but he willingly put the interests of humanity above his own. And he came down to earth and took the form of a servant. But Jesus himself did not get caught up in what Tom Marshall calls in his book, Understanding Leadership, the status trap. It's easy to get caught there. It's easy to want to maintain our status, our position, our wealth. It's, it's, it's nice to be able for, to have people look up to you, to respect you, to call you doctor or pastor or professor. It's easy for them to defer to you, let you go first, let you have the best, bring you gifts, bring you things. It's nice. But if Jesus sacrificed everything, including his place in heaven to serve humanity, you and I are called to do the same. You and I are called to not hold on to things, anything, for the sake of our own status or gain. We are not called to hold on to anything for our own well-being if we have an opportunity to help others or if we are abusing and harming others. We are called to serve, to love, to care, to sacrifice. And if we have something to give and to do to help others, we are called, we are obligated to do that. How can you and I avoid status traps, spiritual abuse, we can constantly serve others. We can take up the spiritual discipline of service and sacrifice. And maybe every day go out of our way to serve, 
somebody else. Maybe every day go out of our way to give something to somebody who's in need. If we know that we struggle with ego and pride and status, maybe this is the spiritual discipline that we need. And maybe we need to do it when nobody is watching so that we don't get the benefit of, of the praise of others watching us give. My prayer for not only everyone listening, but for the church and, and Christianity is that we truly come back to an understanding of serving and loving. That we focus less on our own wants and desires and truly focus on others. That we are no longer getting in the way of people seeing God. I would encourage you, I would love see you in this class of spiritual peace starting on August 10th. Visit my website, thespiritualreformation.com, thespiritualreformation.com. It is an early bird price. Love, love for you to take advantage of that. Come and join us. And let's grow together. Let's hold each other accountable and support one another in understanding and overcoming spiritual peace. Well, thanks for listening. Next time won't be so uh, so deep and intense. It will be the family conversation with my my sister, my aunts, my aunt, my uncles, my mom on the farm, sharing some funny stories of life on the farm. So we'll see you. We'll see you next time.